Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. As a CFP and RFC, George McReynolds' mission is to help people create compelling dreams for their future, the plans to attain them, and the time to enjoy them. This is the Prosper Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. Thanks for hanging out today here on the Prosper Podcast as George McReynolds and myself talk about investing, finance, and retirement. And today we're really going to talk about the future of pensions uh, here at home, of course, also globally as well, and just some of the effects that that's going to have or it's been having across the landscape, the financial landscape. But first, let's welcome in George and say hi. What's going on, my friend? How you doing today? Hey, Mark. Spring's almost here. I'm hanging in. It is. It is. At the time we're taping this, uh, we are in mid-March, and uh, you and I are getting some decent weather today, so that's always good. But uh, as I teed up, George, let's talk about the future of pensions. You know, originally I was kind of coming at this a little bit from uh, just kind of what we've seen here at home in, in America, but this is really actually kind of a global problem as well. Just in general, what I mean, what's the status of these things? What are we thinking about? Because it seems like most people feel like pensions are gone. There's still some places and some companies here and there, but it certainly is, you know, leaving the landscape. It's a very deep subject. I find it very interesting. I, I'm pretty sure I could teach a, a full semester college course on it. So uh, <laughs> keep me out of that rabbit hole. We don't want to go too deep. Okay, we won't go too I, deep. I've mentioned in, in other episodes about a worldwide or coming worldwide pension crisis. And we've already seen riots in France and, and other places as uh, different citizens uh, of other countries try to fight back at the, the uh, pension cuts or the delayed retirement. If you find it at all interesting, Google the subject coming worldwide pension crisis and put the phone on uh, on hold or whatever you do with a cell phone now to, to not take calls. But it's a really interesting subject. Uh, in America, we have something called the PBGC, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp. And what that is, when a company sets up a pension, they get tax breaks for that, but only if they follow certain rules. And the pension benefit guarantee, they, companies pay in premiums to pension benefit guarantee, and then that ensures the pension benefits for the workers. But it doesn't cover as universally as many people think. I was at, uh, as I mentioned, a Christmas party a uh, year before last, and uh, some retired uh, union guys were, were talking about their pension cuts, 60% pension cuts after they'd been retired for 10 years. That, that's pretty rough to deal with. But it turns out they weren't really pensions. They were health and welfare funds. So it was only backed by the acumen of the uh, union leaders mm-hmm. and uh, I guess by their uh, their ethics as well. So they uh, they lost uh, 60% of their pensions oh, wow. while they were 10 years old, older. I work with a lot of pharmaceutical people in, in this area, you know, up and down uh, the 202 high-tech corridor. Right. I also work with a lot of uh, uh, city, township, county workers, uh, first responders, police, fire, EMS. And they also work with a lot of medical professionals. So I've had to cover kind of the whole aspect of it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, just kind of locally, you know, bringing it down to a local level. And, you know, how many companies are still offering it in that area? I mean, we tend to think of, I guess, government entities as offering them, but there are still a few companies here and there. Many freeze them out or cap them for newer hires, though, correct? Right. And that's kind of developing. That's a part where I could really get lost on how that's changed over the years. But what we're seeing for the most part is companies are switching to something called a cash balance plan. Hmm. Okay. And then that takes the obligation of investment off of them. And in, in a lot of cases, it's a lot cheaper where a company had to fund their pension 
put in money. And if it, uh, if they lost money from the investments, they had to put in more money. Right. And, uh, that's especially germane to the, the cities, uh, especially across Pennsylvania. The cities are not covered by ERISA, the uh, Employee Retirement Income Security Act, and they do not have the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp insurance. Mm. So the pension obligations, if the pension fund loses money, they are obligations of the city, just like a bond or paying the electric bill. So theoretically, the city would have to raise taxes in order to meet their obligations. And then that would create a whole downward spiral. For instance, Philadelphia, they are finally up to 40% funding on their pension. They have uh, $5.4 billion in their pension fund, but they've got uh, $11.5 billion in future obligations. Wow. Pittsburgh, yeah. another Pennsylvania city, was only 32% funded in 2018, and they're up to 39% now. Uh, but that could be a crisis in the next market downturn as they have to invest uh, in the future. Uh, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp steps in for private employers. And they, at age 65, they can guarantee up to a $6,000 a month single life annuity payment pension or $5,400 for a joint and 50% survivor. So you've got coverage, but if you've got a pension that's over $10,000 a month at, at age 65, you're going to have, a, have the same situation that the Teamsters had uh, a couple years ago. Wow, interesting. Well, you know, George, you mentioned that you worked with you know, some of those different demographics there that you listed off. Are we seeing, are you seeing, um, that, I guess, that lack of it really alter how you go about planning for retirement? I mean, it would stand to reason, right? I mean, it's just, it used to be a little bit easier. And clearly, the onus is more on ourselves to have to self-fund and, and save better than we used to. Yes. M- many companies have switched to the 401k over the years. Sure. In the pharmaceutical industry, Generally, they've been uh, exemplary employers. Uh, Forbes uh, a few years ago said about Merkin Company, mm-hmm. they have every conceivable employee benefit known to mankind. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, so they've been much slower or gentler in the, the switch out of uh, from their pensions over to a cash balance plan, uh, Merck as well as the other pharmaceutical companies. Many of them still are offering it the same way. They offer a, a, a lump sum option as opposed to the annuities. And uh, they've been slowly moving over where companies like uh, Pico, Philadelphia Electric Company or Exelon, uh, they kind of ripped the Band-Aid off and went uh, with just like two or three years notice, they moved over to the cash balance plan. Uh, Merck has been doing it gently over the years and grandfathering a lot of the older employees uh, into the old plan. But they're giving plenty of people notice, but it doesn't have to be that way. So in a real downturn or in a buyout, uh, into another company, things could happen much faster than people are planning on. So it's good to have a plan. Yeah, uh, it's more important to have a strategy. That's why I like uh, I met uh, Professor Marston from University of Pennsylvania a couple of years ago. He says that retirees should have twenty five to thirty five percent of their retirement assets in pensions. And what he means by that is you should have an income that you can't outlive. And something I worked up a couple of years ago was a very, very simple to understand retirement plan. And you can think of it as, as three different piles or buckets. Uh, there's the safety bucket, and then there's the income, and then there's the growth bucket. And it's really the, the safety bucket is static. You, you have to have enough money to cover all of your expected expenses over the next year. That's that and cash that on hand. That goes something yeah. safe and it doesn't fluctuate. Right. And then the income is not really a, a bucket, more of a well. So it's steady uh, income coming in to take care of all your foreseeable uh, bills. 
and then you have your growth bucket for pretty much everything else. So when you're talking about those buckets there now, where are we taking inflation into account, George? Where is that you know, focal point? Well, that's in the growth bucket or the growth tidal basin as it fluctuates. And what happens as your income needs go up, as mm -hmm. you need for more health insurance or uh, for higher car insurance, whatever those expenses are, what we do is we take money out of the growth bucket or the growth basin, and then we move it over to create more income. And this is where it really works out very well, because if expenses are going up, the probability is that the economy is moving along and growing, which usually grows the growth part. Right. So as income goes up, growth goes up even more. We move out of the growth into the income bucket and coinciding with that usually is higher interest rates. So we can take less out of the growth bucket to create the income. Does that make sense, Mark? No, it makes sense, definitely. You know, and I think obviously inflation is something we're, we're going to have to continue to pay attention to. Taxes, I mean, there's a lot of conversation out there as to whether things change in that arena. Will it continue to drive inflation up and so on and so forth? But I did want to ask you and circle back at some point here about just the fact that so many companies have been going through so much over the last 18, 20 months or so with COVID and everything that's happened. How do you like people are more and more people are offering buyouts, I guess. And it's been a bigger topic of conversation all the time about how do you proceed about dealing with a potential pension buyout, uh, whether you take the pension or you take the lump sum, I suppose. Well, Uncle Joe comes into into play again and he said measure twice and cut once. Right. Now, a lot of people didn't pay attention in algebra and uh, <laughs> I said I was never going to use this because I was going to be a rock star. Right. But uh, honestly, I'm really good at the math now and we measure it a couple of different ways just to make sure that we've got it right. We do a simulation uh, of generally about 30,000 years of investing to see if a plan works. We look at the present value, whether someone's better off taking the pension or whether they're uh, either going to get a, a private pension or, or an insurance annuity. Uh -huh. uh, where's the bargain? What's the value of uh, taking that pension from the company? There's well, what other are the options that you can get outside of a company's okay. pension in terms of income guarantees that you cannot get within the pension, especially if it's a simple plan, which just gives you the, the single life annuity or the 50% uh, joint survivor. But there's probably about five different mathematical formulas that we use for testing if they should take the lump sum, as well as uh, trying to do a psychological test. And I've, I've seen people over the years Oh, that's where interesting. They the pension lump sum was a lot of money, and I just knew they were going to go broke soon because they would be dipping into it uh, whenever they whenever they wanted to to spend. And you dip into it, you cut off all that future income. Well, that's an and, interesting uh, point, George, because I was thinking about two about this two ways. You know, I think the average person, the layperson, thinks, "Hey, if I can take the pension, that's that monthly income. It's coming from them. Great. I don't have to deal with it." But something to consider there is the status of the company, right? I mean, you know, if the company folds or whatever the case might happen. There's, that's one aspect to think about. And when I talk to advisors all across the country, they tend to talk more about the lump sum because then you could create your own pension, if you will, and you have more options to choose from. So it, it seems like there's a pretty wide range of thought process, whether it's the per people that are you know, dealing with this on the, on the regular, like yourself, or just the average layperson. Well, a lot of financial advisors simply say, always take the lump sum because they don't get paid on the pension part. If someone's getting well, an income fair. from a company yeah. or from an insurance company, the advisor is not getting paid on that money. So there's a, a bias, really a, a bold conflict of interest when it comes to that. That's, That's why I, I, I feel it's so important to actually measure the difference and to share with the client 
what the rationale is. Mm -hmm. And the, the new best interest laws that, that came and regulations that came into effect really help uh, force these calculations onto some financial advisors. But as far as the company going out of business, that's where paying into the pension benefit guarantee corp fund comes into play. Oh, okay. Yes. So before they can terminate the plan, they have to go through certain gyrations, certain things. And then depending on the stage that the company's in, if it's getting benefits before the company goes bankrupt or after or during the filing, that's where the different age parameters come into the, uh, into the pension payment. But uh, that's where it's backed up. So again, it's a pension benefit guarantee corp. It's kind of like the FDIC. They're quasi-governmental, so it's not unlimited right. fund. But the implication is that Congress would bail them out if it was overrun by default. Huh, interesting. But that does give people some safety. True. Where if you get from the insurance company, there's there's other uh, backups as well. And in some states, we can't even talk about what exists uh, in terms of, of guaranteeing insurance benefits. But uh, <laughs> right. don't just assume that you, you want the lump sum. Sometimes the, the pensions, especially with the buyouts, they're offering some great internal rates of return. So if your pension is basically yielding you 6% of your life expectancy, and you can get 1.6% in a 10-year treasury today, that looks really good, that that pension benefit. It's the same thing with the lottery. You know, If you take the, the lump sum on the lottery, uh, you don't get as much as you do with the annuity, but you got to wait. But you've got to do something with the money. Eventually, you have to create an income for your retirement. It can't all be you know one big pile and hit the pile or the mattress or or the backyard, whatever it is, you've, you've got to break it down into the safety, the growth, and the income bucket. And the pension can be a really great part of, of generating the income. All right. Well, again, there's so much, as George said, you could really go down the rabbit hole on this. So hopefully this kind of just opens a little bit of train of thought, some dialogue within yourself about uh, you know what's happening there. If you're in a situation where you're dealing with a pension or a pension or a possible buyout, or whatever that scenario might be, and you need some help, as always, we say every time on the podcast, make sure you check with a qualified professional before you take any action. And you can reach out to George, who's the wealth manager and chief tax strategist at Protective Wealth Care. You can call him if you'd like at 215-699-1050. That's 215-699-1050. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and check us out at prosperpodcast.com. That's prosperpodcast.com. You can check out past episodes. You can subscribe to us for future episodes on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever platform you like to use. Simply just type in the, the Prosper Podcast, or again, as I mentioned, find it all at the website, prosperpodcast.com. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me a little bit today and talking about it. A lot of interesting information out there for sure, and uh, I, I'm sure it's only going to continue to get a little bit more convoluted and uh and troublesome for folks as well. Thanks, Mark. It was great talking to you again. I appreciate it as always. So if you've got questions or concerns, folks, don't forget to reach out to George, and we'll see you next time here on the Prosper Podcast with George McReynolds. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor, registered principal. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Cambridge and Protective Wealth Care are not affiliated. Advanced-level tax planning, income tax preparation, life coaching and time management consulting services, and fixed insurance products and services are separate and unrelated to Cambridge. Cambridge does not offer tax advice.